Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of City Ringside. My name is David Penzer. So glad that you are here, as always, to listen to this thing we call a podcast. Hey, before we get to our guest, who's going to be a lot of fun, nasty boy Brian Nobbs, and uh, telling a lot of great stories about some of the crazy things. If you've seen the movie The Dirt on Motley Crue, think that in professional wrestling, and that is the nasty boys for sure. And we'll even bring that up to him and see... uh, uh, what he thinks of the comparison. But I, I want to thank Chris Jericho, my old friend Chris. Several months ago, we taped an episode of Talk is Jericho from his palatial estate in Odessa, Florida. And um, it aired uh, this past week and it seemed to get a lot of good response. So if this is your first time listening to City Ringside because you have heard about it or listened to the interview on. Talk is Jericho. Be sure to follow me on Twitter if you haven't already, at David Penzer. You can follow the podcast at Penzer Ringside. Really appreciate Chris giving me the time, giving us a nice uh, plug, and uh, hopefully we will get Chris on this podcast sooner than later, but time will tell on that. Um, Something tells me that when uh, it gets closer to double or nothing, we might be able to get him on, but we'll see, knock on wood. WrestleMania is getting close, leaving this week for the Big Apple, New York City. Excited to see a lot of the guys. I will not be going to any official WrestleMania events, but I will be uh, interviewing talent at WrestleCon, uh, at Markout at the Meadowlands, as we mentioned with Scott Demore last week at the uh, TNA uh, show that they have at 11.45 at night. Uh, Rob Van Dam and Sabu against the Lucha Brothers is the main event for that show. And um, so I'm looking forward to being around and seeing the guys, seeing anybody that's out there and uh, also a couple weeks after that we're going to be uh, the legends of wrestling is going to be in Detroit Ric Flair, Booker T, Bret Hart, the Nasty Boys, Rikishi, Jim Duggan, Ken Anderson, special guest David Arquette is invited and uh, lots more James Storm, Al Snow and um, want to let you know if you want to get tickets to that not only a show but a live Q&A hosted by yours truly and autograph and photo opportunities available as well it sold out last year uh, so if you're interested in being a part of that be sure to go to TheLegendsOfWrestling.com uh, or The Legends of Wrestling on social media, and they'll tell you how to get your tickets to that great event. And speaking of that event, the co owner of The Legends of Wrestling, my old boss, and I guess my current boss uh, for The Legends of Wrestling events. Uh, and uh, one of the one of the funnest guys in the history of the business. Uh, I want to welcome him this week. I'm talking about one half of the Nasty Boys, Brian Nobbs. Welcome to City Ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, this week on City Ringside, in studio, face-to-face, we are here with one half of the Nasty Boys legendary tag team, and he likes to remind me all the time he was my boss, and he still is my boss in the Legends of Wrestling. Please welcome Brian Nobbs. Brian, how you doing? How you doing, David? You better be, you know, really right with me right now, or you not, might be going to the Detroit show April 20th. I'll tell you that right now. Well, let's talk about that real quick, and then we'll get into, you know, a little bit about your career. Uh, Ric Flair, Booker T, Bret Hart. Art, Rikishi, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Ken Anderson, even a special appearance by David Arquette. And you guys Al Snow, as well. James Al Snow, Storm. James right? Storm. 
And uh, so you're the co-owner of the Legends of Wrestling. Uh, we talked a little bit about that in our XWF episode. For those of you who are new listeners, if you want to hear uh, me and Brian talk about the XWF and how that all came about and a little bit about the Legends of Wrestling, you could go back in the archives on iTunes and check that out or on RadioInfluence.com. Uh, but a little bit of a reminder of how you became the co-owner of a major wrestling promotion that booking guys like Flair and Bret Hart and big names. Well, you know, uh, it all came about, uh, I, you know, I, I think I mentioned this. I don't think I did when we were mostly talking about XWF. And that was a time when, you know, WCW was no more. And we had a great idea. And uh, we knew this person, Kevin Harrington, who was the king of infomercials. And uh, he got us to a, a great man, uh, Walter Frank, who was a, a man who wanted to back it. And we went from there. And we had some, you know, right away from the start we had, it was me and Greg the Hammer. Because Greg the Hammer Valentine's not only my brother-in-law, was a good friend of Kevin Harrington's. And we had to find a third person. We went through Macho Man. Then for Macho Man, we brought Jimmy Hart in. And when we brought Jimmy Hart in, we were looking for a third person. And Hulk came to, to mind. And Hulk came in. And Hulk was in and out. And after that, we ended up with, uh, you know, our good friend Hot Rod Roddy Piper. And it was really, uh, you know, there was uh, some mistakes made. But, uh, you know, you live and learn. But it was there. I mean, it was way better than uh, a lot of things that are even going today. And, uh, you know, you just... You just learn on everything from the past. You know what I mean? So so besides that, that's in the past. Uh, let's talk about the future. So you decided to sort of change that concept into a live concept where you bring the legends of wrestling uh, to towns with uh, question and answer, in-ring uh, segments, and uh, really give the fans not only live action but a taste of the, you know, the past. Well, uh, I got to... Uh, just tell you that I, uh, me and SAG came down to Florida, Tampa Bay area back in 1988 through Steve Kern and Mike Graham. But we met Hulk Hogan and he was another big, uh, you know, part of us coming down here because the weather's great and all that. That's before we got to the WWF. And, uh, you know, we kind of started down here. And then after our careers went on and now we're on the latter part of our career, I was approached by, uh, the, the new management for the Tampa Bay Rays, which was uh, Steinberg's uh, people, which was Darcy Raymond, uh, uh, Rich Herrera. There was uh, Brian uh, Killingsworth and, you know, a couple other guys in there. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, he, he's still doing with, uh, I guess it's uh, the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning right now, uh, Frizzant or... Uh, Franzone, yes. And uh, they all asked me, okay, we would like you to be the 10th man. I said, well, what is that detail? They said, well, like you, you being like the cheerleader, we'll do videos of you. And I said, well, what do you give? What, what would you give me for that? And they said, we'll give you seats right behind whole plate, comfortable reclining seats. And they bragged it up. I said, is that all I get? I mean, no money or nothing. You get they free said, beer well, though, right? Oh, they said, after that, they said, well, that comes with free booze and food. I went, I'm in. No, no, <laughs> nothing signed, no contracts. I shook the hands. And then from there, it was them guys. And Darcy Raymond was, and Brian Killingsworth were uh, two of the guys that said, uh, could we have a Legends of Wrestling night? And this is when they first started. I mean, a lot of teams do it now, the theme nights and all that. But uh, the Rays were starting where they had concerts in there. But he says, don't get depressed if at the end of the game, 
we have our, they wanted to have three matches, but before the game, autographs and all that, but don't get depressed if the fans leave because everybody leaves before the end of the games. And, you know, it might draw, it might not draw. Well, it drew. It drew 17,000 the first time. Everybody stayed. We had Bret Hart on it. We gave tickets away for WrestleMania. WrestleMania that year was in Orlando. And uh, we had Mean Gene Okerlund. We did commercials. We had, you know, uh, the Anvil, God bless his soul, he was there. I mean, we had a lot of good guys there, and Brett was one of the main guys we had. And then the next day, it did so good. The next year, we had it with uh, the White Sox, and I knew, uh, you know, Del Toberg, who was the demon, and I knew Ozzy real good, Ozzy Gian. And uh, so we we did a little uh, good spiff at the end of that deal, and we were, we went against Buff Bagwell and uh, Big Papa Pump, me and Sag, and at the end they got involved and AJ Pazinski got involved, so it all went good. From there, it was like a snowballing effect that, you know, all these major league teams started calling us for a theme night, and it took about three years, and uh, my student, who was Frank Santini, who was a lawyer, and uh, tried to be a wrestler. He was almost there, you know, uh, for WWE Developmental. And uh, he went against Matt Morgan in an independent match by, uh, it was called, I think, FU Wrestling at the time, run by Howard Ward. And, and, uh, you know, uh, it was Frank's fault. It wasn't Matt's at all, but uh, uh, Matt threw him into the bleachers and Frank went all in and he cracked his orbital socket and his nose and he almost lost his eyesight and then he was on the sidelines. So while he was on the sidelines, I kept on sending him contracts from the Miami Marlins, from the Pittsburgh Pirates, from this and that. And he was saying, did you ever try to legitimize this thing where I, I had it? kind of legitimized it was under my company but it was never trademarked or nothing like that and I asked him would you like to do that for me and that's how me and him became partners and he's uh, part owner with me on it and the rest is history and now we got to this deal after all the years and you're talking about 2007 and 8 so we've already been in effect now 11 years and it's going strong and now we're in the NHL we're in the soccer we're going to do our first professional hockey game uh, uh, I mean, a hockey game, but soccer game coming up uh, this year, I think, with Miami. Uh, so uh, we're, we're in talks for that. But it, it's gotten – we even did NFL, Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I think you were out there. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, That was, should have been the first hint that the owner was a wrestling fan. Huh? Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Was Tony Khan at that, at that meet and greet? You know what? I, he, think, I bet I think you he was. was. Yeah, I think he was. And it got over so good, and everybody knows it did. And, and it was just a good time. And we signed autographs. We did our thing, and and it was a good add-on because at the time Jacksonville wasn't very good, that good, and and uh, it goes to show that the the only reason they, you know we do the theme nights is when uh, the team is not playing a team that draws the people. We were just a side attraction, which I liked. We didn't have to put on the whole shamas. And in baseball, only the Rays and the Marlins had us. Do a, like three matches or four matches afterwards, and the Marlins didn't even have a steward on the field because when you go to baseball field or football fields, that's sacred ground, so they didn't want to put a ring on the field. So you know, it was it got to be where you know what, let's not do the matches and just have the guys do things throughout the game and just have a great atmosphere and a family fun you know environment, and we did. 
That's so funny. I didn't even think about that. I bet you hundred dollars that Tony Khan was at that meet and greet, and now uh, Chris Jericho and and uh, Cody and the Young Bucks can thank you for uh, for him getting uh, the little wrestling bug. Well, Chris has gotten my ear. I guess uh, you know I can say it officially right now, even though I didn't sign the contract. I, I might can maybe I can ask for more more money. I'll have to ask Chris or his partner Mark. But uh, no, I think uh, me and Sag will be on. Uh, Next year, next year's uh, Jericho Cruise in 2019. Breaking news here on City Ringside. The Nasty Boys on the Jericho Cruise. And uh, uh, that should be interesting. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Hey, we talked about the XWF and we, we, we have a whole episode on that. But it's just funny. Somebody uh, brought up the XWF on Twitter to me a couple days ago. And they called it the Excitement Wrestling Federation. And I guess Gene Okerlin in the DVD said that. And my response was, X didn't stand for excitement. And they said, well, what did X stand for? And I was like, well, you know, I don't really remember. I'm going to have knobs on my podcast. I'll ask them. I believe it stood for whatever you wanted it to stand yeah, for. Yeah, it, it really was. Because at the, at the time, you know, ECW was getting a little pop, you know, even though they were wrestling under a freeway on, on Highway 95, and everybody thinks that was the biggest uh, territory known to man, but they really never, uh, you know, I mean, it was great for everybody to learn and do things, but uh, we were never there. People think we were there, but we respect everybody that was there, but, you know, it was never as big as everybody thought it was. If it was, ECW would still be a product with Vince McMahon because with Vince, he tried to push it as the, it was its own thing, you know, they had the ECW champion back in the day and all of a sudden Vince got rid of it. So if it wasn't drawing Vince money, you know, he got rid of it. So, you, you know, that's the way it is. Yeah, the, uh, Johnny Grunge was about too much to take. Uh, they didn't need uh, knobs and sags to come on. Oh. That, could you but that dressing room? I was in that dressing room in WCW with uh, Johnny Grunge and Brian Knobs and oh. Jerry Sags. That's Johnny a, Grunge was a great man. You know, Amy Rocco, man, they're not here. We have a lot of friends, God bless uh, me him. and you, Pens, that ain't here no more. But, you know, we went through some wild times. You know, I, I have a good analogy, uh, if I'm even pronouncing the word right, but uh, uh, I was at uh, Ric Flair's you know, 70th birthday party and Rodman was there and Barkley and everybody, but a lot of, a lot of good wrestlers were there. And me and, uh, Sag and Triple H and Shane had a good talk and, and Triple H said right to me, he goes, Niles, when you guys, you know, got into wrestling, it was more like rock and roll wrestling. You know what I mean? And now it's changed because the, the guys go up and after they're done, they go up to their rooms. They, uh, you know, have their room service and then they play Nintendo play or video Xbox. Games. Yeah. And when, but we were there. It was what everybody got together at the bar. It was the Marriott or Sheraton or Radisson. Where are we going? And you know, half the crew went this way, half the crew went that way. And then the next uh, day in the locker room, everyone said, "What happened?" You know, everybody, <laughs> everybody told you everyone else's stories, and always something happened. And like I said, if, if there was, you know, smartphones back in the day, me and Sag would have a job for about a we'd day, all, maybe a day and a half. We'd all have been finished. Uh, yeah, it's funny, you know, I, I think back in the day, if, if, if you'd have said to Wrestler X, hey, come down, have a drink with us, and Wrestler X said, I'm going to play video games, Wrestler X would have been dragged down to the bar and have their head shaved uh, by you guys, and probably worse, so... Uh, oh, oh, yeah, or that, or his room would have been locked up, and he could never got into his room, or when he got out, there would have been 50,000 chairs in front of his door, and uh, he would never got to make the match. And one of my favorite stories is about you guys and Kevin Sullivan's daughter's boyfriend, we'll tell that later on, okay. that... Uh, 
at the Ramada, the, which is now a Hojo, and I actually stayed there. You sure it wasn't the Steiners? <laughs> no, it wasn't the Steiners. So let's go all the way back, because I don't know that I even know this, and I've been around you and, okay. and Sags a lot, and I've heard a lot of stories. When did you guys meet? How old were you? How'd you meet? And how'd you guys uh, dive into the wrestling business? Uh, me and Sag met when we were 10 years old. Uh he lived in a little town alongside me, but from Whitehall Township, not Allentown, but that was the nearest big city around us. So when we got into pro wrestling, we used Allentown. But we were both from Whitehall Township, and he was from Fullerton. I was from Stiles, and we played for the Stiles A's, uh, Little League Baseball team. He was first baseman. I was left field. Even if the ball was in front of me, I dove for everything right in front of me. And Sag was at first base and couldn't stretch too big, too far, because he's a big guy. And, and they would throw it in the dirt just to have the ball hit him in the face, in the chest and everything. So, And we weren't good. We, we I think we lost every game but one. But the, the coach would always uh, take us out. The coach was Frankie Tauber, would take us out. And they the, all the older guys would drink. We'd drink sodas and pizzas for the young guys. But that's when I, that's when I knew him. And when I met him... He only had half a tooth. And then this was 10 years old. And I go, man, I went to him. Hey, Jerry, you know, after I met him, he was, what happened to your tooth? He says, well, my brother shot it out with a BB gun. And I said, I'm going to like this guy right from there. So from since 10 years old, and now we're 55, we're going to be 56 this year. I know him. I know that fat. I can't say the word uh, for 45 years now. You can you say know, the word. The hey, bastard. Hey, did you uh, did you ever have ba- bad blood? For, you know, obviously you probably got annoyed at each other. but Never. No, we fought over a bag of potato chips in Japan. <laughs> that was, uh, that we was the worst, Japan. huh? Yeah, yeah, that was the worst. When we were in, on a Japan tour, we fought over a bag of potato chips and SAG uh, wanted to leave the country. But uh, in Japan, they closed the airports down. So he slept in the guard shack. And then the next morning... Uh, 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 New Japan came in, uh, got him there, and there he was at the, the matches that night. He he kind of felt embarrassed, but it, it was it was still one of the one of the stories that go down. Uh, the you know get on the nasty boy lore of stories because every time you talk, somebody says something, and and I, I you know I didn't realize you know when you're you're there and you're doing your thing and you're just having fun and you don't need to. Uh, and you don't want to you know, step on anybody's toes or anything, but a lot of guys were scared of us, uh, the younger guys uh, in the business, and I didn't know that to to this day when guys came up to me, well, what, back in the day, and I'm not mentioning any names right now or calling anybody out, but they're like, I was scared of you. I said, you were scared for what? Well, we heard so many stories of, you know, watch out, you know, you'll be falling asleep, you'll wake up, uh, you know, your your uh, fingertips will be super glued together, naked, and no <laughs> eyebrows on in the middle of a flagpole in City Hall in Augusta, Georgia. So what are you supposed to say about that? I don't know that I was afraid of you, but when we went down to um, to Mikasuki, remember we did Mikasuki for oh, yeah. the Legends of Wrestling, and um, uh, my son, who's uh, of drinking age, was there, and I warned you. I said, because I remembered this Kevin Sullivan story. We, we might as well talk about it now okay. since we've been teasing it. But I warned you. I said, I ain't messing around. If you screw with my son, we're going to have a serious problem. And my, and my son was like, what are you well, why'd you say that for? And I'm like, Jerry, you don't want to know. Um, I well, said, we just, got blamed for. Like, I said, just cover side. your drinks. We got we got blamed for. 
Kevin's son and, and you know, Eric's son, you know, uh, Garrett, who's a good friend of mine, he was actually my student, he got tortured too back in the day. Because back in the day when uh, some of the guys brought their kids in the locker room, us and the Steiners, uh, we were we were just playing jokes. I mean, they were maybe got taped up all the way. I mean, it wouldn't go today because people would say, oh, that's going too far. But we played good good jokes. It was just good, friendly jokes. Well, Helping make the time home. go by. There were no cell phones. <laughs> exactly. So what, what, you know, there was the, yeah. the, there wasn't a TV in every right. dressing room. There was you know? no social media no. to drive anybody to do crazy stuff. But uh, let's so so let's talk about the Sullivan story. We jumped ahead as I figured we were. So at the dungeon, Kevin, uh, who has uh, has still, but uh, beautiful daughter Shannon. Yep. Uh, and Shannon was going out with a. He was. I don't think they ever got married, but I I, I think they were fair, fairly serious at the time. And so at the table in the dungeon was you, Sags, me, Kevin, Shannon, and the boyfriend. And the and Kevin's egging this whole thing on to this day. One of my funnest memories well, is that always, Kevin it was is always that though. And not only was Kevin right. egging it on, Shannon was egging it on. That you trying to get him, uh, you can't, trying to get the boyfriend heat with you guys, so you guys would would do what you guys do. And I remember the boy, the boyfriend going, "I could drink you under the table," and I was like, "Oh, geez, here we go." And uh, how many times has that happened? What? Did somebody drink you under the table? No, that, they, you know, why did the guy in Germany get thrown on our bus? He was on the Babyface bus. I wasn't on he that got a, He got on Ric Flair's nerves, and also Ric Flair sending him to the B-bus with all the heels, and me and Sag and Rude, and, you know, all the crazies of crazies. And then he was shaved up like he was, uh, you know, in a barber shop or, or a butcher shop, and he, they marked him like a piece of meat all over every piece of his body. And he was really the main producer of the show that the WCW was putting on for the major TV station. So I'm sure that didn't go too well with the WCW Turner's organization on the North Tower. You know. So when you're when you're in your when you're messing with this kid who's the boyfriend of the daughter of Kevin Sullivan, who's the booker and your good friend. Uh, is there ever a, ch- a point where you're going, how far is too far and, and should, should we pull back? Or we never, do, we never do nothing that's really violating to anybody. I mean, if you shave somebody's eyebrow, oh, my God, really, it grows back, people. Even, even if you go you know, shave some of their hair off. It grows back, you know, but we never do. Mine doesn't grow back on top anymore. (laughs) Well, you're getting older now, Pants. What can I I say? But, you know, we never did nothing in the lines of, uh, you know, I'm going to just go out there and say it, which I really don't like to say because it's out there a lot these days. But, like, pedophile bull crap or anything like that. Oh, no, it was all in fun. It was all in fun, and it was all in fun. And some people said we took it too far, far back in the day, but we never crossed that line. It was always in fun. And you know what? Kevin was the one initiated it, and you know what? Tell you the truth, we didn't do it behind Kevin's back. I guarantee you, Kevin was right there. Oh, next he was to us. laughing. Exactly. Or oh, and you might have been there too. And so that was the, nobody ever said, "Oh my God!" You're, that you're, was the greatest part of it. Not only was Kevin laughing, but Shannon was laughing as her boyfriend was passed out, drunk, and maybe gimmicked. I don't know. Who knows? And uh, an eyebrow shaved off, and you put him on the. Uh, the, the, the luggage cart and wheeled him up and wheeled him in the room, slammed the door. God knows when he woke up on that luggage cart with one eyebrow, how he must have felt. But uh, And then Shannon and Kevin and, and uh, you guys and me went well, back down and, and kept the, drinking. The same <laughs> thing happened to the guy in Germany. After he was arm marked up, his clothes were, his clothes were all slid up and cut. And he was stuck on top of the luggage rack, and then we just put him in the lobby in Germany. You know, that was the, that was the same thing. But it goes back just... 
I was just recently after uh, Flair's uh, surprise party. We were in Atlanta, so we had the next day off. So we went and visited the Steiner brothers, and we we uh, we surprised Scotty at his. He owns a Shoney's restaurant out there uh, by uh, Marietta, I think it's out up Aquas. north somewhere, and, but it has a bar in it. Full so, bar, yeah. So so we went there just to surprise him. We were there, and Ricky came by, and uh, it just we were talking about just old times and the stuff we did, and then Ricky tells me about the time, you know, Kurt was with him and when he just got broken up his Mr. Perfect that is and he was he was hurting big time because he he, he he trashed his leg and Kurt said hey man here I got something for you that will ease your pain and uh, he said he woke up a day later in his car it was minus about 10 degrees snow was all over his car and he was freezing to death and he was in there with a little pillow, and he was covered up a little bit, and Kurt just left him there in his car. So he could have froze to death. But that was back in the days. That was in the 80s. So, no. But uh, that was the way the business was run back then, and a lot of respect. And they were my good friends. So, you know, you know, you could take a joke too far, but we never took it too far, you know? Who came up with the name The Nasty Boys? Uh, actually, uh, Donna Ganya, Vern Ganya's daughter, is that uh, the one that was married to Zabisco? Uh, no, that's Kathy. Kathy, uh, you're right. Uh, no, Donna was never married uh, to uh, any of the wrestlers, even though she had a crush on me. No comment there. But uh, uh, just like we were, we just were like out, Shamrock's we were, girlfriend. Uh, we went. We went out. We went <laughs> out. Um, you know, one night and the next day we were trying to call ourselves the mercenaries with like a uh, like a military uh, gimmick, and then. When we came back after being out with her one night, she called us into the office, you know, and she's Vern's daughter. So she had an office and she, I don't know what her handle was. And she sat us down. And she goes, I'm telling you, I went out with you guys last night and you were just off the way you acted. Blah, 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 blah. This is in the 80s. She goes, you guys shouldn't call yourselves the mercenaries. You call yourself the nasty boys. And me and Say looked at each other and said, that's a good name. So that's that's when we switched. Probably about 1986. We went from wanted to be the nasty but we weren't even on TV yet you know what I mean this is when we were still getting jobbed out and driving a ring truck and refereeing you know so and then when we finally got the the the, the name the nasty boys we came out with these uh we were spandex spandex gold tights and spandex gold Olympic shorts and you know we didn't have the body like uh you know Hulk Hogan or her <laughs> ultimate warrior our, our boobies flapped around like they were like we were you know a dancer in a in a one of them clubs and uh, finally when we went down to Tennessee it was Jerry the King Lawler who said you know you guys say you're the nasty boys but you're not dressed like it you know and it also means Stag, Sag started thinking about how the street people are dressed you know like you know the tough guys and this and that and we came up with the, you know covering up our body which we were the first to cover up our body everybody else back in the day no matter how big or fat you were would wrestle in the trunks and the boots and so we were like we can cover up our body and all we have to work on is our arms <laughs> this is great baby um, who came up with Pity City because that really puts you on the map uh, Pity City was a combination of uh, Roddy Piper Adrian Adonis, uh, Bob Orton Jr., you know, when we used to ride down the road and just talking about something nasty. And they kind of came up with, you need to do something nasty. And a combination of M3 and riding down the road, uh, that's what we came up with. Somebody asked a question on Twitter. Did you ever purposely not put on deodorant for several days uh, to no, rib somebody? We nasty boys. We didn't shower every day. Why? <laughs> why? You know, 
Sometimes we were up for 24 hours. We were going to the next town. Who's going to shower in between that? So what do you mean sometimes? So you, so you, you land in Don't w- start it, Penn. You'll get Pity <laughs> City right now. So we're live today. I'm not on a phone call. So we, you land in WCW. How'd that come about? That was really kind of your first big break. Let me get back. Hold on. Before that, and I, I kind of threw this out there, and, and I, I really don't, I don't know. I just belched up my lunch. I got half tuna fish in my mouth because I'm trying to eat good now. There you go. Uh, <laughs> well, dude, give us the cliff. Uh, Sags really tells the story, and I'd love to get him on. I, I have to educate him he about don't podcasts. Like you don't. No, he likes me, but he, he just doesn't like you. Yeah, he please. likes me. But he tells us. But what? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, if, if I didn't ask you, you about the whole Kim Shamrock thing, then I'm gonna get people. I'm honestly on gonna me. tell you like I tell everybody else. I was passed out, but I started the fight. Okay, but I was really gooned up, and back in the day, you took this and that, and at a time I was having problems sleeping, so there was a certain pill you take for sleep. I maybe took too many, but the pill I took puts you to sleep, but it keeps you awake for a while. I mean, you could actually, I think they they took them off the market now, but uh, I took them, and it was some, uh, definitely a girl involved, and I wasn't married at the time, or wasn't with uh, uh, my wife at the time or anything, and uh, some girl that he was with was, uh, you know, that was his girlfriend at the time. And he just came into the territory late. It was South Atlantic before we got to WCW. And, uh, you know, he was, you know, kind of saying, like, like, this is my girl. And I went up there when Ken wasn't around. And, you know, I made a, I made him play the little tennis game with her boobies. I don't remember <laughs> that. But then he got mad and came up to me and was arguing. And then the last thing I remember was kind of I mugged him. Ah, get out of here. And he got him so mad. And then I guess he came searching for us. But by the time he got to the room, I was passed out. And that's, that's the God's honest truth. We didn't both beat him up. I know sometimes he says that. But he knows now because I ran into him about... I don't know, a couple, uh, maybe about a couple, two years ago, three years ago, and when he left me, he actually put out his hand and really, and yeah, he did. I and didn't know. Took his hand because he knows, man. Uh, you know, I, what I hear is he busted with the sag. He was banging on the door when sag opened. He blew sag to the side, and then he got on top of me and started punching me, punching me, punching me. But I don't remember that telephone to the back of the head, right? How do I know? That's what Robert Fuller said. He yeah, was well, Robert Fuller wasn't there. Robert Fuller says that. And Robert Fuller was, and Robert Fuller doesn't even mention Matt Bourne. Nobody saw anything. All they saw is when Robert Fuller and Matt Bourne came up to the room with Sag ready to throw Ken over the top third-story balcony. And the reason we didn't get arrested is because he kind of was really ruthless uh, to the security guard there and everything else. So everybody was on our side because he actually was breaking an entrance. And, uh, you know, and it was what it was. But the funny thing was when I woke up in the morning, I was, my feet were aimed the wrong way. So I knew, I said, something's not right here. So I woke up, why am I, you know, we were in this room for months. We were up in this territory for three months. So we had the same room at the Ramada, right where the old costume was in Charlotte. And finally went, sag, sag. And all of a sudden, after a second, second sag, he went, what? I said, did something happen last night? And he went, you're damn right. You caused a fight with Shamrock. You came here, we was going to kill you. I was going to throw him over the balcony. He flipped me out. I don't know what happened. The cops were here. And then all of a sudden, I went, I'm sorry, partner. <laughs> then I turned, how many the, I, I turned on the other side of the bed and fell right back asleep and woke <laughs> up about four hours later. 
How many times did something similar like that story happen? Just not with Ken Shinra. Oh, no, no, not too, not too many. That, that one was to, a, to an extreme, that one. But, no, yeah, not too many, you know. So you, Zag always had my back. Yeah, he always did. Yeah. So you get to WCW. Uh, how, how did you get in there? Was that through Dusty? No, actually, uh, we were in South Atlantic. We went from... Uh, you know, we got fired from AWA. We down to Tennessee. Tennessee. She back couldn't have had AWA. that bigger crush on you. Then, then they well, well, from Tennessee back to AWA. Ah. Then fired again after we almost burned out a motel, and and then we, you know, Wahoo and uh, McDaniel's and Ray Stevens were booking, and then back down and and Steve met us when we were down in Mid South where he was, you know, the fabulous ones and. And he goes, you ever, you, hey, I got this Florida Championship Wrestling going again with Mike Graham. You ever need a place to come? So me and Syke just showed up and said, we're here. Book us. <laughs> so here we were down in Florida Championship Wrestling. And two months later, Dusty came in. And, uh, you know, Dusty loved us and uh, took us as a big. He was our mentor. He was our first mentor. Bef- I can't say our first because Kurt Henning was our first mentor, you know, back in the days when we were doing this, even through camp. We came in with the haircuts we have, and we were WWE or WWF at the time. WWF, we were from Pennsylvania. So I never saw AWA. It wasn't on ESPN at the time. ESPN was just starting out. So it was like we came in and we just, I don't know, before we even got in the camp, we got these haircuts. So right away up there, they thought we were trying to imitate the Road Warriors, which we really didn't know who they were. We didn't see their work or anything. So that was the thing. We were already kind of drilled from the start. But then, uh, you know, we went out one night and uh, uh, Brad took us to one of the AWA events with Sheik Adnan Casey was there. I mean, uh, Ray Stevens, uh, Nick Bockwinkle, you know, I mean, all the, all the legends of legends. And then that night we went to Buck Zumal's bar and he had his shot stool and it got me and Sag all wound up and we acted like we always do. We're a bunch of barroom fighters from Philly. We threw Buck in the the bar stool and was shoving shots down his throat and all of a sudden the next day Brad Reagan's called Kurt and goes I got two guys I think you're gonna love them they're gonna fit right in this business and Kurt went yeah right and then after Kurt met us he went perfect and Kurt was like our first mentor and I miss him every day, man. Yeah, Mr. So Perfect was he, was, he was one of a kind. Out of all the people that we've lost, we've already mentioned the three that I miss the most. And not that it's a contest, but Kurt and uh, uh, Teddy Petty, yep. Rocco Rock, and Johnny Grunge. Well, don't forget about his uh, boss, man. He's from Cobb County now. I never really got to know him, <laughs> but he's, he was quiet when he came to WCW. Hey, um... Have you seen the movie The Dirt that just came out about Motley Crue? No, but I heard it's good. Uh, we're not in it, are we? No, but it reminds me. Well, of we we, if we they were there did, with them a couple times backstage, and we party, we party big time. I party. What's his name under you, the table? When you Vince said Steele, I, he got partied under the table. When you say I burned down, we burned almost burned down a hotel. It reminds me of that movie. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, we we except always, they went I, to rehab it, and got it, sober. It, it always it always <laughs> sends me always it's always me and the lead singer that went at it, and we go all the way back to '87. Uh, back in Tennessee with uh, uh, with Disaster, uh, Molly Hatchet, and Danny Joe Brown. God bless his soul. He's not here no more. And, you know, we started a thing and said he could take me out. We went outside, and I, I put him in a sleeper hole, knocked him out, and then I shoved his face in the mud. In a, in a, then we went back on. We ruined the whole bus, and then they said, we got to go. So me and Sag wound up in Jackson 
Tennessee, and we had to be there <laughs> in the morning. We had to be there at TV at 10 in the morning. So Sag got up. He said, you just stay here. So now I wouldn't get up when Sag came back. He had our car. He got a taxi all the way back from Jackson, Tennessee to Memphis to pick me up so I get there on time. And I wouldn't get up, and he was hitting me. And I finally got up, and, and the lobby kind of fell out again, and he was hitting me. And I went to kill him, and I went to kill him. And they had the continental breakfast, and they had the big, long table of donuts and that. I fell, and they, before you know it, there was donuts <laughs> smashed in my face and everything. But we did make it to morning TV live <laughs> on Memphis. <laughs> Yeah, if you, uh, the good old days. If you want an example of uh, of what life with the Nasty Boys was in the in the early days of their career, probably first five ten years, watch that movie The Dirt, and you can see the scene where uh, Tommy Lee, Tommy uh, what's Tommy Lee talks about what day in his life. And uh, it's not too far off. I don't know that you were throwing air conditionings out of hotel rooms on the cars. No, we never. We never you we, never had we, the money to do we, that. No, well, no, but we never wrecked rooms. That was more of a, and uh, Sean got blamed a lot, but it was all Marty used to like to wreck the rooms. You know what I mean? There were a couple guys that did that. that was, there was no sense in that. We just did our thing. You know what I mean? Sorry, Marty. <laughs> don't worry. They can't get nothing from you anyway. I know you're still living with your mom. Wow. Oh, wow. That's, I didn't mean that, Marty. So uh, let's get back to WCW. How did you get in there if it wasn't through Dusty? Well, uh, we went, you know, from Florida. We got hired by George Scott, who used to work for Vince, but because of my brother-in-law, Greg the Hammer Valentine. And at the time, he wasn't my brother-in-law, but we got to know him very good down in Florida Championship Wrestling. And he said, hey, George Scott wanted to talk to you. And they started a thing, him and... Uh, um, it was Ringley. His last name's Ringley. Well, they were all connected with the, the NWA. And uh, Ricky Samu was their, their high guy. And right. that's the first time Tatanka was known. Uh, you know, he was just Chris coming Chavis. off out of camp. Yeah, right. Chris Chavis, Tatanka. And they asked us to come up. And Robert Fuller, and they got Matt Bourne. So it was us, Matt Bourne, and Robert Fuller were like, like, like kind of like. And Matt, Matt Bourne and Robert Fuller were more. You know, known the business, they've been in a long, longer time than we did. So we went up there, and uh, we were working. And one of the guys that was in the office and helping us work was Gene Anderson. And Gene Anderson was, if you think Ole was stiff, Gene didn't ever give no expressions. He was a mean, mean sob. He don't give a shit who, where you were from, or anything. He was just so. I'll never forget the time they said. They want you to WCW for Clash of the Champions. We wrestled Terry Taylor and not Bobby Fulton, but his, his Jackie Fulton, his kid, his brother, I guess his brother, right? But we I drove, don't know. Is that his shoot brother? Or, or I'm not brother? sure, but this is where we drive down with Gene from Charlotte to Atlanta. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, excuse me. It was Asheville, North Carolina for Clash of the Champions, and we were riding and in this old ratty-ass car, it was the hottest day of the year, but Gene Anderson has a fan, like a bus fan, like a bus driver on him. <laughs> we, ran, we ran out of gas, and Gene got out that old strong SOP and went and walked about three miles to get gas to come back, and that was our first match. And when we had it, and actually uh, one of the other guys on that, that card was Vinny Vegas. Kevin. Well, they didn't accept him that time. They accepted him later, but you know, we were accepted and they wanted us to come in and it was all because of Gene Anderson. He's the one that gave us the push and all of that 
kind of accumulated because of Greg telling George Scott, we become a good friend with George Scott, who was the booker with WWWF and for with old uh, Vince Senior and Vince Junior. So, so why why did you why did you leave WCW to go to WWE and or WWF at the time? And what was that like? There's a lot. I've never been obviously in WWF slash E, uh, but there's a lot of people who say that it's well, a totally all, different kind of atmosphere. Well, uh, that didn't matter. I mean, <laughs> I mean this it, is the nasty boys we're talking about. Well, it's that, it didn't matter. The, the, the time right now. I mean, anytime, even now, WWF, WWE, whatever you want to call it, was the place to be. Even when I was in on ESPN as a jabroni than as being somebody in the AWA, then going to WCW, which was Turner, my dad would always say, you're not in the WWF, kid. You're not in the WWF. He would always say that to me, which he was he was telling the truth. And at the time, they were only on WrestleMania 7 coming up. But that match, uh, we got into uh, WCW and started working, and it heels, and it was great. And then they said, we want to put you with the Steiner brothers. And we want to tell you right off the you know, bat, Nobody wants to work with them. They're hurting everybody. Uh, you know, I'm just want to be prepared and this and that. And and we said, would you like to wrestle them? We, we're, we're giving you the option. We said, hell yeah, man. We're borrowing fighters from PA. And, and they weren't lying. They threw us every which way but loose anytime they wanted to. But we would get up and punch them right in the mouth. And they didn't care. So it was a good uh, actually synergy there where – we got along with each other, and we're still best friends to this day, and they gave us the greatest matches, and the match in Halloween Havoc, we went, well, it was so funny, because when we came in the back, Chicago, at the Pavilion, and they said, you got 24 minutes with the Steiners, me and Sadie looked at the other and went, 24 minutes with the Steiners, oh God, that's going to be, you know, and it can't turn out to be one of the best matches ever, a week later, Hogan calls me, which we known already because we owned a restaurant here in Florida uh, called uh, Matty Seafood Shanty, uh, a good friend of ours that was foolish enough to make me and Sag's partners and live in the same house for about three years. Best time of our lives, you know. We had about a $5,000 bar tab because we were giving all the drinks away for free before the place went under. Go figure. You wonder You wonder why. <laughs> I know, go figure. But, talk about uh, drinking away the profits. But, uh, Hall called me and said, Vince McMahon wants to talk to you guys about coming up. And I laughed at him, hung up the phone, and I said, you're full of shit. And then, you know, I got a call. The next call I got was from Vince. And it was, uh, they were actually offering us some good money, WCW was, and Vince wasn't offering us no money. It was a, just a contract. And I, but I told him how much they were offering us, and he says, I'm telling you one thing. On my word, you can make three times more than what they offered you with us. And I said, we're in. And then Jim Hurd had a big conversation with us. And then Jim Ross, on our way out, we had a wrestle. I think it was another Clash of the Champions in, on, in Jacksonville. And he wanted us to do a job for the Steiners, and we wouldn't do it because we were leaving to go to Vince. And he got, you know, kind of pissed off at us. And there we were all sitting together, us and the Steiners. And he came up, and he tried to say, hey, uh, you know, you know, to Ricky and Scotty, these guys, you know, they don't want to do a job for you on the way out. And, and, and Scotty and Ricky goes, hey, man, these guys did everything we ever asked. We had the greatest match with them. They could do whatever. The way they want to go and leave on the way out is up to them. We have no say. So whatever they want to do, we're going to do. And it was a DQ, and it was perfect. But I think, uh, you know, Jim Ross always takes it. 
to this day that maybe, you know, that's why. And we're good friends. To, you know, we're friends. But uh, and when he tried to get a job with WCW, I mean, WWF, somebody uh, slashed his tires while he was there for a job. And I got I got blamed for it. But I know through the through the road set. It was not me. It wasn't it was, you? No. Who was it? Can't, hey, can't tell. You know the, the, the word of the road. You does can't it, tell does it, it rhyme with Mary Bags? No, no. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't Marcus, no. No, not Mar- Marcus, no, Sags. No, no, it wasn't Sags. Oh. No, it wasn't neither of us. It was somebody that he would never expect that it was them. And, um, no, I shouldn't have said them. Is that why you got fired? Who? Is that why you left WWF? No. No, no, no. This was when. Uh, no, this is way. This is way before. No, we got. We left WWF because of. Uh, at the time, we were supposed to win the belts back at uh, WrestleMania Nine. I brought all my parents in, and Brutus uh, had an injury uh, to his face, uh, and then it took him like almost eight months to you know recover. And he was you know kind of down on his luck, and he asked Hulk, "Is there any way you can get me to WrestleMania?" And their avenue was. Hulk and him teaming up and taking on Money Inc. And we worked a six month program with Money Inc. to win the belts back. And uh, that's supposed to happen at WrestleMania 9 after I uh, flew all my parents and all our friends in. And a month before, we got pumped off the show. Lovely. So you went back to WCW and they put you with Missy Hyatt. Was that a rib? No, I think Dusty, uh, you know, wanted to put. Some somebody with us because we had Jimmy and you know and you know what Missy was good even when uh, on Twitter I said something to her she goes you know I was just there for you know to be like a piece of eye candy I said you know yes you were but you were still you know you, she still had heat at the time and it's not the only thing we hated her dressing so skimpily and then you know in one of the matches she's dancing around and her boot popped out called talk about fucking word oh sorry I mean, she's talking no, about, you can say fucking uh, well talk about fucking wardrobe malfunction or big tits hanging out with a nipple who the fuck wants to worry about we're in the heat so every time you're in the heat she's doing something stupid so we're trying to teach her when we're in the heat don't be so adamant when we're when we're getting bumped around off our asses that's when you're supposed to be adamant you know so uh, but uh, no, we didn't mind Missy at all. We we actually liked her as being a manager. She actually gave us a little bit of you know that we looked good. You know, could she hang with you in the bar? No. <laughs> Any bar stories with Missy Hyatt? Uh, no, no bar stories. She was always cool. We always protected her. Though, so anybody tried to you know be nasty to her, get along the punt nasty. But no, she was part of the team, man. We protected her. She was one of the boys. We didn't even treat her like. I mean, it's it's. it's I don't mean no disrespect, but we didn't treat her like she was. You know, a woman and, you know, whatever. She was one of the boys. Sure. She was she was she was in the group. She was the fraternity brother for life and she still is. So you were part of the Monday Night Wars and uh, I was there as well. So tell me about uh, your memories, your thoughts on the Monday Night Wars and your participation in it. Well, before that ever even happened, uh, we had a chance to go back up the WWE and we didn't take it. So that's the only regret I have. Because it would have been a perfect time, but we didn't know at the time. Uh, Eric, he wanted us to stay there, but Eric was already in the works to bring Holland Nash down. If we would have known he was bringing him down, we would have known. Because just like in Vince, back in the day, you always knew when your time was up. You can only be there so many years. That's why I think sometimes they get stale up in WWE or WWF, I keep saying. But WWE right now, because you can only be there so long where you're kind of relevant. That's why I'm so glad about the AEW, because... 
There needs to be another place to go. There really does. And TNA never, no matter what Jeff says, and I love him to death because we trained him. He was only 19 back in the day when we were in uh, Mid-South. And, uh, you know, uh, Jerry Jarrett made the mistake of having him travel around with uh, me and Sag just like <laughs> Vince did Shane. And that lasted for three months that Shane was rooming with us and everything. And then all of a sudden, uh, I think it was uh, Hartford, Connecticut, he called up and said, Dad, okay, I'm staying with the Nasty Boys tonight. All right, I'll see you in the morning. And I was like, yeah. What? Okay. What? Okay. All right. All right, Dad. I'll be home. I'll be home. Give me, give me three hours. He hung up the phone. He goes, Dad won't let me hang with you no more. So at Ric Flair's party, his surprise party, we took a picture together, and he, he texted it right to his dad. Don't worry, Dad. I'm in good hands tonight. <laughs> it took five, about ten seconds for Vince to text him back. <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite? I don't know what he said, but he texted him back. What's your, what's your favorite story when you got to road with, uh, ride with uh, Shane? When Shane got to ride with you, actually. Oh, uh, you know what? We just, we treated him like a brother. He was always a good friend, and he's a great man. And uh, I, I can honestly say I was with him. Vince made him do every part of the job, from setting up the ring to refereeing to cleaning up the locker rooms, everything. So he was really taught the way they used to bring us up back in the day. And uh, Vince was right by doing it because it really shows you the respect and the, you know, what you had, the feeling for this business that, you know, you love it, either you love it or you hate it. And, you know, and he is always will be one of our best friends in the world. And we had such a good time at Rick's. It was a good time. We were just reminiscing. <laughs> Any good stories about traveling with Jeff Jarrett in Tennessee? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He one time <laughs> after he was with us, Sag was driving. Oh, I think I was driving. And we had this Taurus that I bought. And uh, I was too far to the edge, and I'm going about 60, and we hit the curb, you know, going to this club, and blew the tire right to the back, and it, you know, it definitely needed a tow truck, it definitely major damage, and he got out, and he was just starting to cuss us at 19. You dumb Yankees, you're about the two dumbest idiots I ever saw in my life, and you know, so <laughs> you know. Pure Jeff coming out, but it was all, it was just funny. You know, you look back at it now and nobody got hurt and we shouldn't have been drinking and driving, but that was a way different time. You're talking about the eighties there, 87, where it wasn't as, as, uh, you know, hard followed it is now and you live and learn. And, you know, I don't do that no more these days, but, uh, you know, back in the day, that was, that, that was not a big problem in, in our, uh, you know, in our world. So going back to the Monday Night Wars, uh, one of the questions I got on Twitter, uh, the fall of 1996, uh, the NWO tricked you into thinking that you were going to be on the team. And, and a couple of people on Twitter said it seemed like a burial. Was it, was it a burial on purpose? Uh, were, what were your Never thoughts? Know. If it was, what were your thoughts on it? Never know. I, we, we really didn't want to be part of the NWO. I mean, but they were trying to put different people in, but it was something good because everybody knew, and the, and the rest of the world knew we were friends with Hogan, so it was like, oh, they're going to come in, and, you know, we went with the program. You know, we were there. We just signed another contract, so you don't fight City Hall. We just went with the flow, so, you know, it was what it was. And then, you know, later on, the animosity built up, and the, the, the end of everything was 
Scott Hall getting his teeth knocked down his throat by Jerry Sag. So that was in Louisiana, right? Yep. I was I was there. Yeah. I'll never forget. I went back to the dressing room after the show because that was the main event. It was you guys, Hall and Nash, and, and Ming and Barb. Yep. And uh, I went back to the dressing room, and uh, X Pac had a, a baseball bat. He went and got, and you know, because he thought that there was going to be a fight. And I think that was like the first time I actually saw him and Nash both had baseball bats. They, they never both? used them, but Scott no, had his teeth knocked down his throat, and you know. It is what it is. I love them guys, though. I, I'm not going to say it was a different time, and there ain't no real will. You know, you're talking about 30 years ago. I mean, what, are you supposed to hold them in debt that long? I mean, it happens. Everything happens in different businesses, and this happened in this business, and it happened at the time. You don't hold the grunge over that, you know, and, and there was different things going on at the time, you know. Yeah, I mean, things get out of control. Right. Tempers well, take actually, over. Well, actually, the truth, and then afterwards, Sag actually got knocked out because of that match. He got hit again in the neck because you know, a couple of weeks before that on Nitro where they didn't really tape it, Sag got hit in the neck that time, you know, and he confronted him that time because him, uh, he, he came in and back, and Kevin Sullivan and uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were laughing, but they weren't laughing about that. But they were just laughing. Sag thought it was like they did it on purpose. But, you know, they didn't. And everything happens for a reason. And, you know, and Scott knew us. Scott, me and Scott and Sag were good friends all the way back to 86. And he is still a good friend of ours. I mean, we went through everything. He used to stay with us when we first came down here on Treasure Island. And he was coming from Japan with all the money. And we had no money because we were wrestling for Florida Championship Wrestling, making $50 a night. And we went to the grocery store and Sag started loading up the buggy because Scott was bragging on all the money he made in Japan. He goes, I'm telling you guys, I'm not paying for it. I'm not paying for it. Sag goes, you don't have to pay for it. So when it came time for the checkout line, Sag went to the exit. I had the car and the <laughs> truck open. Boom, there went our groceries, and Scott paid for everything he had. And we had porterhouse steaks, and <laughs> Scott had sirloin steaks. So go figure. Even though we had to take them, you know, uh, we were, it wasn't stealing. We paid them back many a time since. Sure. Publix. That uh, is. <laughs> absolutely. You mentioned uh, being friendly with Hulk. I know that you, you especially, but not uh, Sags as well a little bit, uh, were... A no, we were both the same. It's stal- just stalwart on, uh, stalwart maybe not the word, but a regular on Hogan's Those Best and some of the other shows. Tell me about how that was taping and uh, uh, how much of that was sort of acting versus uh, reality. Best time of my life. Best time of your life? Oh, yeah, man. I got paid Why good. Why is that? Well, I got paid really good. At the time, I was injured and getting this disability because I just uh, I got a knee replacement on my left. I, and I kind of semi-retired at the time, and Hulk asked me to do that. But the best part was the fans and everybody that watched it because he's Hulk Hogan. He's still the best there ever is. I mean, it, along with Flair, I can't just put him over like that. But he is one of the top guys that really changed uh, the fabric of uh, pro wrestling. And he asked me to be on this show, and, and it was being myself. So nobody knew how funny I really was, but the guys in the locker room and my true, you know, feelings came out, and we, we, we would always drink. You know, we were always drinking on the show, and they would give you, a, like, a synopsis what, uh, you know, what they what really want, they're looking for, and whatever we do, we do. And somehow it just came out to always be good, and the episodes I were on were always funny, and, you know, so... The, the public got to see the different side of Brian Knobs, Nasty Boy, and it actually helped my career because people, a lot of people know me from Hogan Knows Best and don't know me from pro wrestling. They know me more from that because that show went on for seven years. Sure. Any Linda stories you could talk about? Or 
Linda was always she she always kept up you know she was she was the boss I mean like like a lot of wives I mean my wife Tony there's always behind every uh, good man there's a good woman and then eventually kind of you know splinters off but I think that the reality show bit kind of uh, you know could have split them up a little bit because uh, you know. Linda, I think, was starting to think like she was bigger than Hulk, which that'll never happen. Hulk Hogan is Hulk Hogan. And without Hulk, the show wouldn't have been around. But she started getting noticed all over grocery stores and that, that people knew who she was. But uh, I, I still, you know, I still, uh, you know, love the whole family. And, and, and I don't uh, have no uh, bad feelings against her either. Either does my wife. And Hulk, uh, we still love. I mean, he's still the best. Best thing, man. He's, he's he's awesome. He does so many things. Well, like Jimmy Hart saying, "Baby, I love him, baby." What can I say, darling? So at WCW Worldwide uh, on Twitter, wanted to know what your relationship with the WWE is right now. Uh, Ric Flair's birthday party and uh, Shane's uh, text to Vince aside, uh, did you know they were selling a Nasty Boy shirt? Yes, I knew that. Uh, it's been out. It's not been out over a year. They they brought that out about. Uh, I would say maybe. Uh, Last year, about maybe July, you know, and uh, it just goes to show you because the year before that they brought out our another separately our new from Mattel our new action, action figures, figures and they sell good. So we're under a Legends contract with the WWE, and and you know, I will never put them to the side because, like I said, and I told everybody in every interview I ever do that match against the Hart Foundation, and I'm so glad they're getting in the the Hall of Fame this year. They should have been in a couple years before that. I wish Jim was still around because I would have loved to seen his interview because he's such <laughs> he's the best man. I mean, I had so many great times with him and Brett, but well deserved, well deserved for Harlem Heat. You know, because when they came in the WCW, they were young, and we we helped them out. And then they put Sherry with them, and even got better. And uh, but uh, well, could Sherry could Sherry hang with you in the bar? Uh, Sherry, yeah, she, <laughs> Sherry, did, Sherry did. Sherry's old school. She didn't take no, 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 keep off nothing. A quick story, and it was when Please. we won. The, I think it was when we won the, the championship for the third time. Uh, you know, Sherry had this spot. We knocked them out of the ring. I don't know if it was on the comeback or what. And then she comes on the top and comes off, and I grabbed her mid-flight off the top rope like a like a crossbody, and she just, just grabbed me and throw me on them. Well. She's so light and everything. I threw her like she was a, a rag donut, and, and she went flying on it. And when I got in the back, I got, I mean, it looked great. If you go back and watch that match, it really looked awesome. And I got cussed out by all the higher-ups in the, you know, the WCW. And I went, why are you yelling at me? I said, Sherry called. She called the whole thing. I just didn't call that spot. Sherry goes, I want to do this, do this. And she was... She was been in the business a longer time than I have, and I respected her and everything she said. So I was definitely going to do the spot. It was given from Sherry Martell, you know. And uh, you know, and I told Booker just the other day when I was talking to him, and he laughed about that because I was the one getting my ass reamed, and and Sherry's the one that called the whole spot, you know. Going back to the Hall of Fame, do you think that uh, the Nasty Boys will ever be in the Hall of Fame? I'm, I really hope that'll be uh, like the icing on the cake because uh, what made us the Nasty Boys was our match in WrestleMania 7. And uh, I think we proved ourselves throughout time. Uh, we don't have to count belts. I mean, I'm not I'm mentioning any tag teams, but one tag team is, you know, right off the back says, I won the, these tag team champions 175 times. And please, if you want to talk about uh, counting belts, you never hear uh, the Road Warriors. Well, 
Hawk ain't here no more, but you never heard them say anything like that. You do what you do in this business, and you do what you do to you think to the best of your abilities and you give the fans what they want as long as they're having a good time. What I love is in this latter part of my career that I like going to all these conventions. I like going to all these seeing the the fans because without them, I wouldn't or SAG wouldn't still be here and we must have did something in our time because we still have a line wherever we go and people still want our autographs, still are buying our our action figures, still are buying our t-shirts. I was just in London in February and uh, every place, they were small arenas, but they were sold out and everybody was there and saying brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And even, you know, I got in the ring again. Um, and I don't do that too often no more, but, uh, you know, it just, it just shows you, I must've did something right. I don't know what, but, uh, if you didn't, they wouldn't talk about you anymore. That is true. Hey, do you, do you think that there's a part of, uh, Vince or whoever decides on the hall of fame that looks back at your party crazy, uh, you know, uh, kind of take over and do what you want, uh, attitude and worries that, uh, they want going to put a live mic in front of you guys at WrestleMania. You think that cause, cause I don't think it's too much. Of that, but I, I think it's some, maybe some things we did back in the day. Yeah, you know, we slammed Vince on the table at China Club. Sag put his jacket on, said "Fat Man" in a little coat, and ripped it up the back. You know, so we did do some. Listen, was Vince, nobody, Vince we laughing? Just about? We just didn't pick. Yeah, at the time, yeah, he was laughing. Even the slam on the table, he was laughing about. Yes, because it was a different time. But now things are more business. And like Triple H said to me, you know, you guys came through a time when it was like, you know. It was rock and roll, man. It was like we were the Rolling Stones. It was the dirt. If it was like it was today, I don't know if me and Sag would ever signed up for this gig. No, no. It, it never would have worked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With cell phones and Twitter and, uh, oh, my and political correctness, it never would have worked. I'll never forget the time we're going over to Switzerland. And, uh, you know, we were always known for stuff. But uh, Booker T woke up and his fingernails were polished. He had the box of cheese they gave us because we always flew his business class or first class big chunks of cheese all over his face and uh, you know he wakes up and in front of him was uh, Don Sanford he was from the North Tower higher up than anybody could be he wasn't even in the wrestling business he was with Turner's North Tower and Booker T smashed his front seat he was I'm not gonna take this shit bullshit and he was blaming us right away even if it was I don't know if it was us I don't think it was Booker <laughs> but all of a sudden that's the greatest quote from this interview oh I know but he was he was cussing him and all of a sudden downside of it turns around and looks at Booker and not only is he cheesed up and his fingernails polished but his whipped cream on his head polish on his eyebrows there's 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 things saying on his head you know maybe a big uh schwan sola maybe uh you know <laughs> if people know what that is a big dick like on lipstick on his head and and he was the guy from the north tower so booker t just looked at him and goes sorry brother because he was done up oh don sandifer was good i work with him so, that yeah that, well, that couldn't well, have gone over good well we didn't care, but, but Booker looked at him and goes, well, if they're going to do that to this guy and he's sure. way above my level, he didn't say, Booker didn't say nothing after that. He just wiped everything off and Booker laughs to this day. Yeah, he, he had a big crown like Jerry Lawler would wear full of ripped cream. <laughs> I think he had one eyebrow too. Did you ever mess with Bischoff? Um, every chance we could. <laughs> What's the best Bischoff Nasty Boy story? Um, I'll keep that under my wraps. <laughs> <laughs> 
we had Eric on the show, and uh, I well, asked that him. That had to be boring. I asked him. <laughs> I actually asked him uh, about uh, him working for you at that last Detroit show, and he said he was sitting in. And y'all could uh, anybody who wants to hear that episode, it's on iTunes or RadioInfluence.com, where you can find all of our our old interviews. But he said that uh, he was sitting there in the dressing room drinking a warm bottle of water. He sees Flair. He sees Sting, and then you came in and started giving him direction and told him what he was supposed to do and he said it was one of the greatest mind fucks of his life that that the guy who was such a screw up uh on the road was was had this sold out show in detroit and was uh was was his boss and but drew money vince mcmahon knew it drew I, money. I think he meant it in a good way i don't think he meant but it in a I, I, well, I know he didn't but uh, i met eric and you know what eric was he was a meat packing salesman yep. in minnesota and he was kissing everybody's ass to get in the AWA. We were already there, and we got tortured, big-time tortured in 1985, 86, going through Vern's camp. And the only reason we went to Vern's camp because we bugged George the Animal Steel, and he had uh, uh, Orndorff, he had uh, Schnooka, and Bob Orton Jr. ready to stretch us, and we were working at the time, and you know, because we were bugging him. Every time he was in town in Allentown when he did TV taping, and they finally said, if you're serious, go to Vern Gagne's camp. That'll either make you or break you. And then we saw the day Eric was trying to come into, you know, AWA, and then we knew him from then. But, uh, you know, everybody, he's still, he's back to being Eric again. But, but, you know, there's, I can't say that about, you know, I can even say that about us. When you get to a time sometimes, you know, and you're, you're, Number one, and that for a while that could get to your head, and you know it did. It did him at a point, and he was a he, he was an asshole. You know when he was in charge there for a while, he got to be an asshole. But you know he's back to being Eric again, the same Eric we always known un, until this last show in Detroit where he almost got strung up again. But everything's good, man. We're going to you know another Detroit too coming up April twentieth, and we got the who's who coming again, and uh, it's going to be good. Ric Flair, Booker T, Brett the Hitman Hart. We're keep, just between those three, they're going to end up uh, uh, by the time they get there, they're going to have two. Four, seven Hall of Fame rings. Yeah, I think between Rikishi, Flair and Booker yeah. and Brett. Tito. By the time they get there, and Rikishi too has one. Duggan has one. Yeah, uh, Ken Anderson does not have one. Uh, Al, but uh, Al Snow is going to be there. Uh, you said James Storm, and I put I put an olive branch out to David Arquette because uh, you know what uh, they made him WCW World Champion. Okay. So, and he always loved wrestling, and he did train with Canyon. I love him to death. He's not here no more. When he did that movie, and, I, and he always had the love of wrestling, but a lot of these, what I hate about today and why I started Legend Wrestling that was to get us all back together before, you know, I mean, it was good to go to Rick's uh, 70th birthday where you're not going to somebody's funeral and seeing everybody there, and, and I don't want to mention the list. I've been to it in the last two years, but uh, it was good to, you know, uh, you know, get everybody together. And, uh, you know, I, I and he was out there at our uh, last, uh, you know, Detroit show. And then I see him trying to get in there. And today there's a lot of independent promoters that think they're Vince McMahon. Or, uh, they've been working their leagues, this and that. And who knows if it was by accident or whatever. But nobody should ever get hurt. And that seriously through a match, you know, uh, you know, it was a death match. It's a death match, but you shouldn't get. You're your, talking about Arquette in L.A., right? Yeah, and you shouldn't get your 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 almost your juggler cut by some kind of uh, neon light bulb. That means whoever he's working against don't know what the hell he's doing, or it was an accident, or he did it on purpose. So I said, you know what? 
come to Legend of Wrestling because I treat everybody the way they should be treated, just like the WWE treated me, just like WCW, AWA, professional all the way. And you know what? If it comes up that you, you're going to have a match and you want to wrestle, and you know you never know. Whoever he's going to go against, he's going to go against, but it's going to be legit, and you're going to go and give him your best, and the fans are going to see Whichever wrestler you wrestle, and it's going to be somebody that knows his stuff. So uh, all I'm saying is, David, I hope you're training a lot and uh, hope everything works out okay. But you're not going to get railroaded or uh, kind of a, a publicity story where someone is trying to injure you because that should never happen. This is pro wrestling. You're going out there to show the fans a good time, but nobody is supposed to, you know, get injured off a match. I mean, it happens a lot and it's accidental, but definitely not on purpose and I just don't know and I'm not I'm not pulling or saying anything, but uh, that was pretty serious and you never know what happened. I mean, it, it probably was an accident, but who knows? You know what I mean? Uh, and, and hey, let me tell you something. You know me, and I'm, I think I still hold the record. Who hold the who held the we we were doing hardcore before hardcore was cool. Okay, so I was in every hardcore match. I threw Finley through a table, and WCW wasn't buying any equipment for us. We were getting old bullshit stuff from the back of the Porcelain. building. Oh, the, the, the trash cans were cast iron. We were smashing each other up. So the day before, I don't know what time we were on, sold out. This is when the wars were going on, and he didn't go through the table. So the next night, it was sold out again. We got a table from the back here. The face of it was made with Formica. Formica. He went through it, and it cut him all up, and the one cut him down. Like somebody took a hatchet, almost chopped his leg off. It was hanging there. And, uh, you know, the next day, lucky Jimmy Hart pulled me away. I was going to punch Eric Bischoff's face down his throat because he was going, this ain't WCW's fault. And it was. They could have used 100 bucks and bought us the right gimmicks to use so nobody got hurt. But nobody's supposed to get hurt ever, no matter how much. And let me tell you something. Me and Fit Finley were each other stiff. But every time we went at each other in them hardcore matches or Bam Bam, even Norman, screaming Norman Smiley, we had great matches. We stiffed each other, but nobody got hurt. You're not supposed to get injured. And if you do, it's accidental. And he almost got his leg chopped off. He got his nerves cut. He had dead foot for a while. But he will tell you, if you ever have him on an interview, it was an accident. Now, with David Arquette's, whatever happened there, you can't say that. It, it, you know, it's uh, it's a different, uh, you know, apples and oranges. But Maybe, uh, we should, maybe somebody's trying to make a reputation on, on his behalf. Right, I, I think so. I wasn't there. I'm just throwing it out there. I know. Speaking, but, uh, just to paint the picture of, of, of Fit going through that table, and then we'll get, let you go. Um, when you say through the table, normally the table breaks in half. This one, this time, he went through the table. Like never it was broke. a cannonball. It was like oh, a cannonball. Yeah, yeah. It was like a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, the table didn't break, and he just went through it, and the table was yeah. still intact. And, I, was uh, crying, I was crying my eyes. I had to I was the table too. off. I went to I went to t- I went to cover him. He goes, "Knobs, I'm hurt." I saw his leg. I took my nasty uh, sweatshirt off. I put it on top of his leg, and then right away I was calling. You no, know, there was no. No keeping character or anything. I was calling for medics, medics, medics. But the funniest was when now we're in the, the emergency room. We were both, and me then, and you went to the hospital. Yeah, and his legs hanging off. And I just had, from the Formica, I had a cut. Yeah, pretty good cut, but right on my, like, my forearm wrist. And he said, do you want any pain medication? <laughs> I said, hell yeah. And they asked him, he went, nope. 
I don't want nothing. Just do what you have to do. You know, tough. Hey, from Ireland, Irish. He was in the army back then. One tough. He's one of the toughest son of a bitches I ever met. And he's met. one of the nicest people. And one of the nicest guys in the world. He went, didn't want nothing. So I went. So you took his pain pills, right? I asked him. I said, hey, can you give me his? Here, whatever you want to give, give it to me. You know, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm hurting over here. But anyway. That's All right. Story. If you're in and around Detroit, the weekend of uh, April 19th, 20th, uh, 20th is the show. Uh, it's going to be not only a wrestling show, but there's going to be Q&A, Q&A uh, autograph, autograph opportunities, opera, photo yeah. opportunities. And uh, it's going to be better than last year. Last year sold out. So don't wait to get your tickets. That's all I got to say. You could go to uh, thelegendsofwrestling.com or follow the Legends of Wrestling on or, Facebook or, or Twitter. Or, or LOWDetroit.com. LOWDetroit.com. All right. Thanks, Brian. Hey, thank really, Dave. My first face to face you. My first face to face like Gary Capetta. Gary Capetta <laughs> trying to say, you know, he was on that Germany tour where we tortured the, the, the kid from Germany. But, uh, you know, he's lucky he didn't get shaved up. You know what I mean? Gary Capet, that wouldn't have gone over too well. Oh, yes, it would have. I mean, <laughs> hey, we still had a job after we shaved the major uh, guy that was behind everything on, on the, you know, that was the major uh, TV station that was holding WCW. And then, you know what? They must have known the guy was like that, or he wouldn't have, you know, because he was talking, you know, like, like you were saying, I can out drink you, this and that. And he was on Ric Flair, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, the good guys bust. It was bust A and bust B all of a sudden. Like halfway through the trip, all of a sudden, the bus is pulled over, and Rick sent him over. And he's underneath everybody's, nobody knows, Rick gave the word, nasty boys, get him. Well, they carried him in on a, on a what is it called, the, the trolley you bring the bags on. Yeah. They got carried in on that, and then we left them in the lobby. I've, I've, I, you know, I've seen it so many times, and I'll never understand with your guys' reputation, and it's not a secret, why people would challenge you to a drinking contest. I have I've no seen idea. it so many times. I would never, I, I, I I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a drinker, but I would never I challenge on, you guys to a drinking on, contest. I was just on Hannibal are, TV, and he did something with me, and I'll never forget the time with uh, Rodman, and then... Hulk called me up because Hulk ain't a big drinker like me, but Robin was challenging Hulk, you know, shots. And when I got there, 40 shots were lined up. I downed about 10 of them right away, and then I jumped them over the table, Rodman, and slapped the do-rag off his head. I said, what color hair do you have tonight, baby? Then at the end, we're out in the parking lot, and Eric's there, you know, and we're all, you know, just a couple few of us were there, and his, his entourage, Dennis, and I picked him up and gave him an airplane spin, and Threw him on the top of uh, his agent's Mercedes. A big dent was in the Mercedes. The only one other guy I gave an airplane spin to, but they didn't smash it, was my good friend Willie Nelson after WrestleMania 7. <laughs> right there <laughs> at the Holiday Inn in Santa Monica, baby. That's my boy, Willie Nelson. Just an average, exactly. just an average night. With the Nasty Boys. I think that's the best way to finish exactly. it off. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Thank you guys it. for having me. Fun as always is Brian Nobbs, and uh, it's uh, <laughs> very interesting working for him. And uh, was interesting in the XWF, and is interesting even now. And uh, at the end of the day, the guy has a heart of gold, and uh, he he likes to have fun, and fun he has. And uh, let's see how long, much longer. I hope he can keep it up for another 30, 40 years. God bless him. But we thank him for coming in studio. Funny, I did my only two uh, podcasts that I ever did uh, face to face was uh, the Jericho interview that aired this past Wednesday and the one that you're about to, that you just listened to. So I say the one. And the one that you just listened to uh, with Brian Knobs. So maybe we're on to something here. It was a lot of fun. And um, 
and he could tell a story and we're glad he joined us and be sure to check out the Legends of Wrestling Detroit on April the 20th. Once again, Ric Flair, Booker T, Bret Hart, Rikishi, Duggan, Ken Anderson, David Arquette, Colonel Robert Parker's going to be there and many, many more. James Storm, um, keep trying to think. And uh, so, and now Snow. So, see, I said so, and I remembered Snow. So I will see you in New York or Detroit or right here next week on Sitting Ringside. Until then, I'm David Penzer, still Sitting Ringside. Thank you. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles and DJ Eakin, news and political pundits like Law and Crime Network's Vincent Hill, and independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crushell. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.